Namaste. Namaste, everyone. Uh, tonight on page 145 of the Devi Gita, we're going to begin our discussion of chapter 7. And Himalaya said, Please instruct me in the practice of yoga, O great supreme goddess along with all its limbs, and bestow upon me the fullest knowledge by means of which I can attain union and realization of the universal principle. That guy cuts to the chase. He doesn't mince words. He's got it on the tip of his tongue. He is so exact and so precise. He's got it defined to a T. He has dotted his I's, he's crossed his T's, the punctuation is all present. This man knows what he wants, and he knows the respectful attitude with which he's going to get the answer that he needs. And the goddess said, look, notice, when, when uh, 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 Boisha Shamadi and Suratha Raja, uh, the king and the businessman, went to Medas Muni's ashram, and then they observed all the customs and traditions conducive to creating a learning experience. And they bowed down and they sat at the Guru's feet and they offered dakshina and they offered an offering and they offered their attentive respect in the same way. Himalaya is using the language which is appropriate to get the grace of the goddess. And the goddess said, Neither does yoga exist in the sky, nor behind, nor below on the earth, nor even in the nether regions below the earth. The yoga is not a destination. It's not a place. It's not a physical, geographical location. Those conversant with yoga know yoga to be the complete unity of the individual soul with its desired objective. And every individual soul will define the desired objective in their own way. Your ishta. Ishta is the desired objective. And how do you define your ishta? Some could say it's Ram, some say it's Krishna, some say it's Vishnu, some say it's Shiva. We say it's the Divine Mother. The respected objective, the desired objective. There are six enemies who cause obstacles in the path of union. Kam, Krod, Lo, Moda, Matsanja. And these are desire, anger, greed, ignorance, conceit, and jealousy. And from Ketu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Destroying these enemies by the limbs of yoga, the yogis attain to union. You can't get to union with all that baggage. Those are obstacles in the path of union. The limbs of yoga are yam. Control your life by organizing and defining goals and priorities. Got to have a path. Got to have a goal, got to have a, a, a luxury, someplace you're aiming towards in order to take the journey. Can't take the first step of the journey unless you know where you're trying to go. We have to make a sun come. Niyam, create a discipline for their attainment. 
Asan, put your body in harmony. Pranayam, put your breath into harmony. Literally control your breath or your life force. And then beyond, Pratyahara, bring your senses inside. Bring them into a cloister so you're not looking outside, you're looking at inside. You're not looking at the Pratyaksh of the Stula Sarir, you're looking at the Pratyoya, the Shukshma Sarir. You move your attention from the Anamaya Kosh to the Pranamaya Kosh to the Manamaya Kosh. Pratyahara. Dharana, contemplation of three, there's a subject, an object, and a relationship. Dhyana, meditation on two, the subject and the object, the relationship is understood. There's no word what to define or describe what's going on between me and thee. And samadhi, the perfection of union. And there's only one. So remember we have dharana as three, dhyana as two, samadhi as one. And these are the eight limbs of yoga by which yogis perform the disciplined practice to attain to union. That's yoga sadhana. The disciplined practice by which we strive to attain to yoga is the sadhana. Yogsala. Ahimsha, causing harm, no harm to others. Satya, that's truthfulness, living with truth. Asteya, not coveting things of the world. Selflessness, as contrasted with selfishness. Brahmacharya, moving with God, the sacred study. Doya, Passion, Arjavan, the purification of knowledge, Shama, forgiveness, Driti, constancy or firmness, Mitahara, controlling your diet, Shoch, maintaining internal and external cleanliness. These are recognized as the ten aspects of Jam. Mm. This is the discipline by which we take control. We point towards the target. Tapasya, purifying austerities. Sampush, contentment. Astitya, the continuous pursuit of self-realization. Dhan, giving to others. Devashyapujanam, worship of the God. Siddhanta Shravanam, listening to the scriptures like we're doing right now. Hri, modesty. Moti, devotion in prayer. Jat, reciting mantras, and puta, that's the homa or offering the ahuti to the sacred fire. Are the ten aspects described in niyam? Ten of yam, taking control. Ten of niyam, making a discipline. Padmasana, the lotus posture. Shwastikasana, the excellent attainment posture, Bhadraasan, the excellent posture, Bhadraasan, the diamond pose, and Virasan, the hero pose. These are the five kinds of postures that are recommended. Now, these are recommended for meditation and 
worship. Of the five, two are most prominent, Padmasana and Swastikasana. The other three can be used for Japa and various forms of meditation, but they are shorter in that duration. Uh, so these five are recommended for our going inside. All the other asanas of hot yoga are meant to take control and make the, uh, 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 make the body disciplined, strong, uh, 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 flexible and being able to enhance the health and well-being of the sovereign. Placing the feet with the soles showing on the opposite thighs, and I won't go too far today because I still have this cast on, but it, it, you can understand if you put your two feet on the opposite thighs, we're going to show pictures of these. We have a volunteer yogi, and we'll take his picture tonight, and he'll sit and show you these five asans. Uh, crossing the legs with the right foot on the left thigh, like this one, and the left foot on the right thigh, and I'm not going to do that. Uh, get into trouble, and catching by the right hand brought around the back and the toes of the right foot, and catching by the left hand brought around the back, the toes of the left foot, then sitting straight with ease. <laughs> this is called Padma Asana, which is beloved by yogis. And I do have a note here. According to others, it is not necessary for the hands to be carried around the back to grab their respective toes, both of the hands may be crossed and placed in the lap. So you can show that posture if it's easier to show. Placing the feet on the inner sides of the knees with the soles facing upwards for the attainment of truth by certain yogis, this is known as the swastik asana. Placing the heels of both feet firmly together below the genital near the anus. They go into the muladhar, the feet are put together. I can't do it sitting in a chair with arms. <laughs> and binding the sides of the feet together below the genital, you put it all the way back into the muladhar, is known as bhadrasana, which is very much venerated by the yogi. Placing the thighs above the legs according to instructions. Sitting on the shanks with the toes extended back. You put your toes back and you sit down with both uh, 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 thighs on top of the, the calves. Sitting on the shanks with the toes extended back is known as the excellent Vajrasana. And place one foot with the knee bent, and then cross the other thigh over the opposite way, knee over knee, oops, this is going to hurt, uh, for the attainment of truth by certain yogis, <laughs> not old parts like me, this is known as the Virasana. Inhale through the ira, which is the left nostril to the count of 16 times. The yogi will retain that breath within the shushumna while saying the mantra to the count of 64 times and then count the mantra 32 times while exhaling through the pingala nari, the right nostril, which is the process called rechak by knowers of yoga. So here they're giving us the formula of six 
1664.32, which is the same as 142. You can extend the mantra or you can extend the ratio in proportion to the other aspects of the pranayama. It still maintains 142. So the first process, inhalation, is called purak. The second retention is called kumbhak. And the third exhalation is called rechak. And this is called pranayama by the knowers of yoga practices. As we have been discussing, there are many other forms of pranayama which we use. We had the bastrika practice of it equal inhalation to the equal exhalation. And we have the abhilombalong <laughs> alternate nostril breathing. Uh, we also had uh, a couple bhati. I can't do it sitting in a chair, but I'll do my best. where we are expelling the air in quick succession. Uh, and we also have the Brahmor, where you close your ears, your eyes, your nose, your lips, and take a deep breath and make the sound of a bumblebee. some other forms of pranayama which we will disclose to you and instruct you in at another in another class. Thus one should breathe again and again. <coughs> Please keep breathing again and again according to the instructions of pranayama. Change the rhythm of control from 12 times to 16. So then instead of doing uh, 12 repetitions, you do 16 repetitions, you do 108 repetitions, you do as, as many as you can. Combined with jump of mantra and dhyana of the deity, etc., this practice is known as sagarbha. It's pregnant. It's got a deity. It's got a mantra. It's got a form. It is known as bigarbha, an empty womb, when pranayama is performed without mantra. So if you want to count by the number of mantras you do. And if you do without counter, you do without mantra, you do without a deity, you do without a form, you just move into the light. It becomes bigger. When practiced according to instruction in the lowest stages, a man's body becomes drenched with sweat. In the middle stages, it shakes and trembles. 
and in the highest age, it leaves the ground and levitates into the air, rises up. Until one attains the highest quality, practice should be continued. Don't leave your sadhana until we have to call you down from the roof. The senses move towards various objects of attention without restraint. They do. They're looking here and there and everywhere. The power to withdraw the senses from those objects is thought of as pratyaha. Toes and heels, knees and thighs, the space between the genital and the anus. The genital, the navel, the heart, the neck, the throat, the uvula, the nose, between the eyebrows and on the top of the head. At these 12 places, according to the system, supporting the pranamurti, the life force or wind on these 12 places is called dharana. In Buddhist tradition, we call it vipassana. We are moving the prana, we're moving the energy from place to place and contemplating its presence is the same way that we put the vibrations of existence into the chakras or into the limbs of the body and we wear creation as a gown in the same way that we recite the kabach and we place the, the, the deities in all the various centers of the body and then we feel her presence all throughout in the same way we move this pranamurti this, this image of the life force is our meditation. And we move that energy throughout our body and we meditate upon its presence in the various limbs and centers of energy. Put the mind in equilibrium. Allow consciousness to rest within. Let the soul meditate, that's dhyanam, upon the ishtadeva, or Devi, that's the chosen deity, the Ishta, she is my desired object of being. And continually observe in meditation, watch how the meditation gets deeper and stronger, the intensity grows and the bhavaid, the bhavana becomes a, it, the intensity of reality, the focus becomes so intensely real that that becomes your, that is your energy. Always maintain the attitude of unity between the individual soul and the supreme soul. This is known by the wise men as samadhi. With its various definitions. And thus, I have described to you the excellent mantra yoga. Various definitions of samadhi, of course, we discuss them in the Tathagyan. Uh, we have salokya in the same paradigm of reality, samipya in the same type of activity, sarupya in the same form, sadrishya in the same perception, sayuj, the same, in union. And we also had a Bhav Samadhi and a Sabi Kalpa Samadhi and a Nirvi Kalpa Samadhi. And these are known as Samadhi with its various definitions. And thus I have described to you the excellent mantra yoga. Mantrayate iti yoga. Yogi chitta vritti nirodh iti yoga. Now, you've taken away your mind through the mantra. 
and taken away all the changes and modifications through your yoga. By sitting in the one posture and breathing according to the rhythms of the mantra and losing your mind, you enter into union. And there is no longer you and me. There is only we. The body of the universe is composed of the unity of the five essential elements of mantra, a mountain. Uh, remember, shitiaptejmolubom. Uh, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. We have five essential constituent elements, the building blocks of physical existence. The lights of the moon, the sun, and fire, and the individual soul are one. There's only one light. They are the form of the supreme divinity. There are 30 million nadis, both subtle and gross avenues of circulation in the body of humans. Of these, 10 are most important, and of the 10, three will be accommodated in our, this discussion. Uh, so I believe the foremost is the Merudanda, uh, also, which follows the, 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 the Shushunda, follows the Merudanda. It's another name. It's situated in the center of the spinal cord in the form of the moon, the sun, and fire. On the left side is the Iranali, and brightly shining like the form of the moon. And this Nardi is in the form of energy, and it is the actual purveyor of nectar, the bliss of immortality. On the right side is the Pingala Nari, which is a masculine gender, gender and the avenue of the sun. So you got the moon and the sun, the sun and the moon, and they are both in the Shushumna, which follows the course of the Merudanda. The manifestation of all light, the Shushumna. Oh, I must have read this before. The channel which houses both the eater and the Pingala. Great philosophers seldom disagree. Is the form of fire. So you got the sun and the moon and the fire. The ira, the pingala, and the shushumna, ira, pingala, and shushumna, within which resides the various energies of icha, jnana, and kriya, that's desire. Icha is desire. Jnana is knowledge, and kriya is action. These three shaktis unite in every action, in every cell, in every anu, in every atom. There is Icha, Kriya, and Gyan Shakti present. There's only one Shakti. It's Sattvarajatama, it's Aoba, it's Kamkala, it's all of these. But the union of the three energies makes possible the evolution of matter. In the middle is the Bhulinga, the subtle existence, shining like ten million suns. Above that is the Maya Beach, her Atma, the soul of the Supreme with the Bindu Anuswar, perfecting the sound. Above that at its summit is the Kundali, energy of a red color. This is known as the Supreme Soul of the Goddess, not different from me, O King of Mountains. Outside that, with a golden form containing the various letters from Wa, 
uh, and ending with saw, war, shaw, saw, saw. Within its four petals, the lotus appears as melting gold. Place your awareness there. It is called the Muladhar Chakra. Uh, so now we're going back to the Matrika Nyas. And in the Muladhara, we have four letters of the Matrikas, four letters of the alphabet, Wo, Sha, Tha, and Tha. And they are, he's describing the chakras and the letters that are on the petals, the vibrations of which stand for all the qualities, all the characteristics, all the attributes, all the matter that can come into evolution and go from evolution, all those vibrations are residing in the mulada. Above that, attached to the stem, are six petals with the luster of a diamond. The various six letters beginning from Bo and ending with Bo, 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 Mo, Yarala, are in the excellent Swadishta. Any of you who are performing Bahi Matrikanyas or Matrikanyas, you can find it where you, we are in this book. You can see both of these practices in the Cosmic Puja and the Advanced Shiva Puja. The base or root supports the six angles, and therefore it is known as muladhar, the root which supports. Its word is extremely subtle, and therefore it is known as swadishtan, one's own place. It's your stan. It's your place. Above that, in the region of the navel, the morning poor has a great radiance. Clouds are illuminated by lightning, and there is manifested great light. Many jewels occupy that lotus, for which it is known as the lotus of jewels. Morning poor, the place of jewels, the money, are in this place. It has ten petals, which are united with the letters beginning from ga and ending with ta, ga ga na, ta ta, da da na, ta ta. And Vishnu is seated in this lotus, for which it is known as Vishnu Lok. Mm. Above that is the anahat lotus, which is, resembles a fountain of flowing streams. Beginning from ka and ending in ta. Ka, ka, ga, ga, nga, cha, cha, ja, cha, nga, ka, ka. The twelve letters are established on the petals. In the middle is the bono lingam, the white lingam, the white symbol of Lord Chief, resplendent like the sun. The manifestation of Shabda Brahman, the sound of God, is perceived here in the Anahata. And that is why the Anahata Lotus is most famous among men of wisdom. This is the residence of bliss, wherein the highest Purush dwells. You're right in the heart. We often call it the heart chakra. Above that is the Vishuddha with 16 petals, comprised of the 16 vowels, all ah, e, e, u, u, ri, 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 a, i, o, ah, um, ah. 
This is of a smoky color, a great luster. In the Bishud, there is great expansion or illumination, which is the Humshaloka, the residence of union or freedom of the individual soul, is in Bishud. In the Vishuddh lotus, the great element of Akash, the ether, is present. And the Agya chakra is situated above that, which is the highest residence of the soul. In the Agya chakra are realized the dictates of priorities, and for this reason it is famous as Agnya, command or order. That's where you get orders, you get the dictates. The, the priorities are resolved in the Agnya chakra. And the very beautiful lotus has two petals upon which are the letters Haksha. Above that is the Kailash Chakra. And above that is the Rodhini Chakra. And that's the Adara Chakras have been described to you, O one of excellent vows. The thousand-petaled lotus is the residence of Bindu, the Anaswar, the sound of an atom. The bindu, the, mm, the first spark of creation came from right here. Wherever you put your cranium, there is the first spark of creation, right there. And above that, the exit from which the soul rises, and thus all has been explained of the excellent path of you. First, inhaling in the yogic way, let the mind unite in the muladhar. Between the anus and the genital and the muladhar. Remember, if you took a, a steak and dragged it, put it right through the sahasrara, and it pierces all the chakras as it follows the shushumna, it should come out through the muladhara, right between the anus and the genital, and go into the heel of your left foot. Become aware of the energy by restraining the breath. You may want to practice here the mulabandha, where you constrict the muscles of the muladhar and the swadhisthar, and you make that bond firm so that the pranabhayu does not go any lower. Pierce the subtle centers in their order until the bindu chakra is reached. So you go from muladhar to the swadhisthar, the swadhisthar to the monipur, the monipur to the anahat, the anahat to the vishud, vishud to the agnya chakra and the son chakra and the vishnu lok and come out the sahasrara until the bindu chakra is reached. Conceive of Shambhu, Shiva, united with her shakti, the highest shakti as one being Ardhanarishwara. In the Bindu Chakra is produced the nectar of immortality, the Amrit. And flowing down like a red-colored lac. Who can drink that nectar? The energy of Maya attains the perfection of union. 
Let that Maya, that black, that red, that Amrit, the nectar, drip right down from the Sahasrara to the Sam Chakra, the Rodini Chakra, the Agya Chakra. And it come right down into, it, it flows through the place where your eyes and ears and nose and mouth meet, right in the back, united with the Shushumna as it comes all the way down. Uh, and then it drips and you can stick your tongue back and catch your Imudra and taste the sweetness of the Amrit, the nectar of immortal bliss. And then, who can drink that nectar? The energy of Maya attains the perfection of union. And for the pleasure of the gods residing in the six chakras, carry that nectar to each of them by the reverse path until the muladhara is reached. Now you've got a mission. You go up, you come down. And you come down with a chalice of nectar, of amrit, and your goal is to serve it to the gods and goddesses residing in, in each chakra and give them a drink of the nectar of immortal bliss. So you come down from the Agya chakra to the Vishuddha chakra and you go serve the nectar of immortal bliss to all the gods and all vibrations and go all the way around the petals and serve all the vibrations, all the matrikas. Give them all a drink of the nectar of immortal bliss and take it from the Vishuddhi Anahat and Anahat to the Manipur and the Manipur to the Swadhisthan and the Swadhisthan to the, to the Muladhar until the Muladhar is reached. And then you can go up again. And that's called the Tirthyatra. That's a pilgrimage. That is visiting all the various shrines of pilgrimage worthy of visiting. Regularly practicing in this way, success is assured. All previous deficiencies will be perfected. The mantras will be attained. There is no other way. You've got to practice it for it to work. And when you do practice it, you don't go, wow, that's not a practice. And sometimes you know when you have too much devotion, it goes automatically. Yes, but you still make the same journey. When you have devotion, it goes automatically, but you still go to the same place and drink the same Amrit and then share that Amrit with everyone you meet, just like you do when you sing, I love you all, I love you all, I love you all, my children. I serve you all, I serve you all, I serve you all, my children. You sing the same song. You go to the Sahasrar and you get to the Bindu and you take your chalice, your cup and your, your pot and you fill it up full of the nectar of Amrit. And then you take that Amrit and you bring it down. You serve all of your children in each chakra, in each center of energy. Old age, death and pain, the bondage to the world will be eradicated. Those divine qualities which are in me, the mother of the universe, with those same qualities, the sadhak, the spiritual practitioner, will be blessed, even within this world and others. That's the blessing. 
Thus is the explanation, my child, of the excellent system of retaining breath. You're doing this through pranayama. You move from the anamaya kosh to the pranamaya kosh, and the pranamaya kosh to the manamaya kosh, and the manamaya kosh to the bigyanamaya kosh, and the bigyanamaya kosh to the anandamaya kosh, and that's where you find the nectar of immortal bliss. That is the amrit. And of course you move from the Anandamaya Kosh to the Viganamaya Kosh and the Viganamaya Kosh to the Manamaya Kosh, the Manamaya Kosh to the Pranamaya Kosh and the Pranamaya Kosh to the Anamaya Kosh. And look at a whole new creation. It's different now because this is the reflection of my devotion. All I want to do is serve the nectar of immortal bliss. That's the goal. Thus is the explanation, my child, of the excellent system of retaining your breath. Now, <clears throat> hear from me how to conduct dharana, cutting asunder location, time, and others. You're beyond time, you forgot the place, you forgot the location, you forgot the association, you're totally within. And fixing consciousness in divinity on my manifestation, one immediately realizes the unity between the individual soul and the universal soul. Otherwise, if one does not easily or speedily attain this consciousness, then it is possible for a yogi to practice by means of avayagya yoga. Concentrating from limb to limb, so you perceive the part and you conceive how it's attached to the whole, and little by little you see all the parts and then you see the whole. Seeing my lovely smile, could you smile? Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and, and my feet, well, and my, my, my yellow socks, and other parts, oh mountain, the wise counsel that consciousness should be concentrated at these various places again and again until victory is attained. You will look at all these places and see me. When the objects of consciousness become purified, then establish the mind in my universal form. Until the mind is not dissolving into the goddess according to this method, O mountain, the wise counsel that contemplation on the chosen deity, Japa, Homa, these practices should be continued. Don't give up your sadhana. Continue the sadhana to purify your mind until you move into this perfection of union. By means of practice of the mantra and of yoga, the objective knowledge becomes conceived of as wisdom. Without yoga, there is no mantra. And without mantra, there is no yoga. Both practiced together are the cause for the attainment of the supreme divinity. When a house is filled with darkness, only by a light can the contents within be seen. They called it a jar, a gut, gutta kashi. 
Only the illumination of a light will allow us to see the contents within. Just so with the continuous changes in Maya, the soul is hidden. We're so accustomed and habituated to seeing the continuous changes in Maya that we don't we forget about the soul. You go to the movie theater and you look at this, the images reflected on the screen. And how many times during the performance of the drama do you think about the screen? You only think about the images, the reflections upon the screen. You get so into the story we forget ourselves. We forget the theater. We forget the screen. All we see is the Leela, the performance of the drama being performed projected onto the screen. Just so, with the continuous changes in Maya, the soul is hidden. We're looking at the changes, not at the soul. Aim, ring, cling. They're always moving. Chamundai, diche. Who remembers the consciousness? We are so in mesmerized, enamored of the changes that we forget about the consciousness, the soul which is perceiving it. The soul is hidden and humanity only moves towards the objects of sense. That's the habit. Thus, now the system of yoga has been explained by me along with all of its limbs. You should learn more instructions from a guru. No other scriptures, not even 10 million of them, will give you the realization. Oh. So sorry. <laughs> I've written books and books and volumes. But without practice, no other source can give you the experience. You write more. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste Let's see if we have questions this evening. Yes, please. We have a question from Srini. Hi, Mr. Srini Baba. Yoga is defined as the union with the desired objective in verse 2. Yes. Can this objective be different for different individuals? Absolutely it is. Uh, for me, it's Chandi. For her, it's Shiva. For you, it's Ramya. Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone defines it in our own way. Those are the gatekeepers. The actually actual definition of that desired object is neti neti. It has no word. So if we were going to define it, we have to define it with a word, and that word is different according to the ishta. It, 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 each of us has our own desired objective. Yes, please. We have a question from Kyle and Samantha. Namaste, Kyle and Samantha. Namaste, Sriman Swamiji. How come Kundalini rises and then falls for many when she seems to stay in the upper chakras of such saints as Sriman yourself? Oh, namaste. Kundalini is always in motion. Uh, just like the uh, protons, neutrons, electrons are evolving around the nucleus of an atom, there's it, it's inherent within the atom is motion. In the same way, Kundalini is rising and falling and reacting and responding from the different centers of energy in us all. However, some of us have 
strive to make new habits, to bring the kundalini up higher and higher and higher and higher, while others of us are content to just experience her in the lower chakras. And that means eating, sleeping, and mating, or an, a, a, a living the life of pashubhav, of an animalistic nature. So now, if we become, there are three bhavas of all aspirants. There's, there's poshu, which is bound by animalism. And there's birya, who's striving for improvement. And there's dibya, who always resides, or most of the time resides, in a divine attitude. And as we purify ourselves and practice bringing that kundalini up higher and higher and higher, then it becomes easier and easier to make the journey. The first time that you came to visit us in the Devi Mandir, Kyle and Samantha, you looked at the map and you looked at the directions and you look at the signpost and you said, oh, I should turn here. The second time you came, you didn't need the map, you looked at the directions and the signposts, and you knew how to get here. After a few times of coming here, you won't even need the directions, you'll just, you'll just drive naturally to the destination which you know. And after some time of coming here, the car knows the way. You don't have to think about it at all. It's automatic pilot. In the same way, the first few times you try to bypass or surpass the pashubab, your animalistic nature, which is eating, sleeping, and mating, well, you have to strive a little bit more and to, to come into the biryabhava, learning new things and learning new attitudes and cultivating new skills and culting, studying to be something more than you already are. And as you get more comfortable in living in your virya bhava, in your heroic warrior bhava, I'm making war on animalism. I'm going to do better. I'm striving to be better than I was. I'm striving for perfection in my every action. As we get better and better at what we do, then we go higher and higher in where we are. And then we go into our divyabhav, and pretty soon the car knows the way. <coughs> so you get to spend more and more time there. The peacocks agree. <laughs> they are shouting their ascent, and they're calling you both, come back to the Devi Mandir. Make deep ruts so that your car will know the way. Yes, please. This chapter talks about <clears throat> pratyai, pratyaksh, and pratyahar in the yoga section. I was just wondering, what what is the prat? Um, are are they all? Do they all mean the same thing in those words? No, they don't. No, those are com those are complete words. Pratyaksh, uh, pratyai, uh, and prakash. Uh, those are complete words in themselves. It's not a prefix that's added to something else. Yes, please. We have a question from Usha. Namaste, Ushama. Could you please speak a little about the function and nature of the Rodini chakra? Mmm, no. <laughs> because as soon as you leave the Agnya chakra, you're beyond words. You're into feelings and emotions. And this Rodini chakra is filled with, uh, with Bimarsh, with experience. 
It's filled with intuition. It's filled, you've gone back beyond the, the, the Adya chapter where you're receiving orders and you're into the land of feeling and meditation. So there's not much that can be spoken about it. Uh, we, we could try, but you know, I, I, I try to be a poet and I, I can never really say uh, uh, what it is that my heart wants to experience. So I, I'm sorry, Usha, it, it, you, we can only lead you there, but we can't tell you what it's going to be like when you get there. And it's going to be different each time. You're going to feel great love. You're going to feel great joy. You'll feel great warmth. You'll feel great illumination. There will be so many different feelings, but... Or it, there is nothing. Yeah, or there is nothing. <laughs> And then the rishis will say, Nethi, Nethi, shut up, Swami. <laughs> yes, please. So Ma says when one has too much devotion, then they make the trip automatically. How does one get that much devotion? By practice and learning. The more I love you, the more I want to learn what makes you happy. The more I learn what makes you happy, the more capacity I have to demonstrate the sincerity of my love by doing what I know makes you happy. And that's how it works. So karma and bhakti and jnana and meditation, and they are not separate. In order to increase my, my devotion, I have to study more. And in order to study more, I have to do something. That's a karma. And in order to do that karma, I have to pay attention more. So that's a, a meditation. And they're all part and parcel of each other. And each one of us has our own mixture, our own bhavana. And it's constantly shifting. It's always shifting its focus from dan to gan and bhakti to karma. And there's always a preponderance of one characteristic over the other three. Yeah, it has to be shakti completely. Yes, it will want to be sattvic completely, but in order to become completely sattvic, we have to enter into rajas and tamo. And the way we enter into rajas is through action, and the way we enter into tamo is through complete rest. So we've done the action, we have complete wisdom, and now we have sattvic. Sufficient that it can take us to the door so we can go home towards Nirguna, but we can't bring the sattva into the Nirguna. <laughs> Other questions, please? Usha had a follow-up question. Yes, please, Usha. Is the Rodini chakra above the Sahasrara? No. No. Uh, it, it usually goes, and it's different in different traditions. However, if you have the Agni chakra here, you have the Rodini chakra here, you have the Son chakra here, and then you have the Sahasra. Uh, there are, it's taught uh, distinctively uh, between Vaishnava and Shaiva. Yes, please. You talked about tasting the nectar as it came down. Yes. Is it a physical substance? It is a metaphysical substance. It is not, you can feel something dripping there. If you can get your tongue all the way back to the very back of the ula, and touch your ula with, and put your mind in the bliss of union, 
you can taste something. Now, whether it's a physical substance or not, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's a, there's a physical yogic kriya that we can perform to put our mind and body and soul into that unity where we can taste that amrit. Or you can just close your eyes like Srima does. When she has too much devotion, she doesn't have and stick her tongue anywhere. It just comes down. Yes, please. Speaking of metaphysics, it, it, it talks about levitation in this chapter. Yes. How is it metaphysically, how is it possible to, med, to, to levitate? Uh, only by following the practices. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, there's no... That is right. It's right. <laughs> only by following the practices prescribed in this chapter and doing the yogic techniques, you will find that you will levitate. And it is true. Some people will levitate with a body. Uh, Mahara, Maharishi's group, uh, the, the transcendental yoga people, uh, uh, meditate from hopping from place to place. They only meditate a short, or levitate a short duration. <laughs> but uh, it's also possible for you to leave your body below and separate your soul from the body and rise up and look down upon that meditating body and say, wow, I used to live there that limiting place? How could I have survived in such a small place? I belong everywhere. All is the form of me. Look down on that body I used to call that home. <laughs> that also is a form of levitation. Where you rise up beyond the body. Look down on creation. And feel yourself as part and parcel of every aspect of creation. It's all you. Now did they try bung? <laughs> <laughs> With bung? Uh, well, I think that's a little bit better than hopping from across the room. <laughs> yes, please. But if you rise out of your body, how will you look down? You have eyes in this? No, you have consciousness. You have awareness. You, you can see everybody, you go from the uh, Maharlok and you look at every perceivable form of the universe as an extension of yourself, including that one little body you used to call home. It's Yes, please. Yeah. If our bodies is a temple for the Divine Mother and a carrier... Well, could you speak a little louder, please? Are there are people listening around the world? Who told you not to take care of your body? Well, there's a lot of practices where we don't, we're not supposed to put attention onto our body. There's a time for the body and there's a time for the soul. If you dwell exclusively with the knowledge and the concept of the body, then you'll never rise above. If you don't pay attention to your body, your body will get sick and it'll say it'll rebel and say, okay, you neglected me, now I'm going to make you, I'm going to force you to pay attention to me. I'm giving you a diseased part or something uncomfortable so that I'll, you'll always pay attention to me. 
So the ideal is to strike a balance and find out what is the optimum balance. How much of the body can you take with you when you make your ultimate journey? Probably not a lot. <laughs> so I want to prepare myself to sever my relationship between the body and the soul. But that doesn't mean I can do it all at once. <laughs> I, I cannot. I have to practice slowly. You build your asana, you build your capacity to pranayam, you build your capacity of fasting, you build your sadhana. So it, it grows organically so that you have an opportunity to slowly, slowly expand your capacity and thereby the body doesn't call you back and drag you down. Now, if you try, oh, I'm going to be a bogey all year round, and then for Navaratri, I'm going to fast and sit in a yogikasan for hours and hours together, yeah, I think you'll have some difficulty. The body will rebel. It said, you fed me all these weeks and months, and now here you're asking me to starve? That's not going to work. But if you slowly reduce your necessity for caloric intake, if you slowly reduce your necessity for hydration and how much water you, you take in, then when Navaratri comes, they, it becomes very simple extension of the sadhana that you're already doing. So nobody is requesting that you neglect your body or that you don't pay attention to your temple or you don't clean the temple. You've got to sweep the temple every day when you do puja. You have to take care of the body. But also, don't neglect the soul. But it needs to go Himalayas to do practice. Oh, it does? Wow! I'll buy the tickets tomorrow. <laughs> yes, mother! Everyone, it needs to go to the Himalayas to do the practice. Or at least be like Himalaya in this chapter. Be as open as Himalaya is to the teachings of the Divine Mother. Have the bhavana, have the devotion, have the thirst for knowledge and the hunger for practice as Himalayas does in this chapter. Right? This whole book, he's saying, Ma, how can I be your dad? How can I live with you? How can I create an environment conducive for you to nurture yourself and fulfill your destiny in this incarnation? If you are Himalayas, then you don't need any geographical location. You could do it in the Devi Mandir as well. You sure? No. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but it sure sounds good. Swamiji, yes, please. Is this journey of Kundalini from Muladhara to Sahasrara true for any religion like Sufis or Christians? They if call it, is, it by different names. If it is so, then why don't we hear much accounts about you know, in their scriptures as much as we are talking right now. Do you know, most of their scriptures, are various scriptures, are not talking about the inner processes of yoga. They're talking about the ethical processes of how do you uh, engage your fellow man in a social setting? What, are, what, what thou shalt not do? Huh? They're telling you, don't, you should honor your father and mother, but you shall not kill, and you shouldn't do this, and you should do that, and they're giving you more of a framework for socialization, and how does a, a being live in a religious setting, in a conducive environment in society? 
their feeling is that that would be sufficient. If society would behave in harmonious ways, that's a lot. We don't need a bunch of yogis trying to bring up their kundalini and trying to realize God. We want a society of human beings that are productive and loving and generous and kind, taking care of each other and taking care of their, their own selves. Uh, that would be sufficient. Yes, please. So why is Vishnu, why does he reside in the Mani Pur? What's the relation between Vishnu and Vishnu? The, the, all the jewels are stored here. So uh, you've got Vishnu in the morning pur, and you've got Shiva or uh, 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 Rudra in the Vishud, and you've got the Guru and uh, uh, Ardhana Arishwara uh, in the Sahasra, and you have all the deities spread all throughout your body. Now go on up and take Jack and Jim went up the hill, and go take your your chalice and fill it full of the nectar of immortal bliss and take a sip yourself and then take that, 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 that goblet down from the, the Sahasrara and take it to all the different chakras and serve the gods and the goddesses and give them your best and give them your vibrations and give them a sip of the nectar of immortal bliss. That's Seva. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha Namaste.